Welcome to our third day of fasting. And I hope you've been having a meaningful time with the Lord fasting and praying over the past few days. In our series of CCF Core Values, using the acronym LOVE, we started off with L, which stands for loving God and loving others. Then we went to O, which stands for obedience to God's word and authorities. And today we will discuss CCF's third core value, which is voluntarism. And voluntarism has to do with serving others, particularly the church. It refers to the giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures for the benefit of the family of Christ. And volunteering usually involves us giving something without expecting anything in return. But when we serve one another, we can expect the Lord to reward us in this life and for eternity. Thomas Brooke, a Puritan preacher from the 1600s, said, the best way to do ourselves good is to be doing good to others. The best way to gather is to scatter. So when we do good and are generous with others, we really do good to ourselves. The title of our message today is Volunteer, Pray to Serve. And our key text is in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 16, which reads, Through Him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And the author of the book of Hebrews argues that Christ and the new covenant is superior in every way to the old covenant or the law. And in this particular section of Hebrews 13, the author compares the sacrifices offered by the priest as prescribed by the Old Testament law to the sacrifices now expected by God since Jesus has already fulfilled the law. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices to God were the slaying of animals which were symbolic of Christ's death for the forgiveness of our sin. But since Christ has already died and rose again, different types of sacrifices are now prescribed for God's people. The author of Hebrews wrote that the new sacrifices that are pleasing to God are one, the sacrifice of praise. With the sacrifice of praise, we worship the Lord and declare His glory with our heart and with our lips. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that there's another type of sacrifice that the Lord expects from us. And this is the sacrifice of service. The sacrifice of service is done through our actions. We are instructed not to neglect it, not to forget it. In fact, our worship to God is incomplete if we don't serve one another. The sacrifices of praise coming from the lips of God people please the Lord only when accompanied by loving acts of service towards one another. Are we doing both? Are we offering the sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of service? Or might we be neglecting the sacrifice of service. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the greatest British preachers of the 20th century, made a sad observation of the church during his time. He said this, Men and women no longer exercise in sport as they used to. Instead, people tend to sit in crowds and just watch other people play. And I fear that the tendency is even presenting itself in the church. More and more, we see people are just sitting back in crowds while one or two people are expected to be doing everything. 
Now that, of course, is a complete denial of the New Testament doctrine of the church as the body of Christ, where every single member has responsibility and has a function and matters. God has called us to be so much more than spectators in the church. He wants us to participate in the sport, to volunteer, to give of our time, our talents, our treasure. And our worship to God is incomplete if unaccompanied by actions, acts of service towards one another. So how do we perform this sacrifice of service that pleases God? Our passage today shows us two ways we are to serve one another. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good. And that's number one, doing good to others. The Greek word for doing good in Hebrews 13 translates to beneficence, which refers to an act of kindness and mercy in doing what is in the best interest of others. In medical ethics, beneficence is a principle that requires that physicians provide and to the best of their ability, prevent and remove harmful conditions from their patients. In other words, to do what's best for them. And we also find this described in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, which says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. God's people are instructed to do good to one another with the intention of seeking their best. And we serve not for personal gain or prestige or a title, we don't do it for pats on the back or to tick a box and say that we've done our part. We serve out of our love for one another. We ought to serve sincerely, seeking the highest good of others. The other day, I was in the car with my wife and my mother-in-law, and I happened to notice a stray cat, a kitten, that, was, uh, that had one of its arms run over. And at that moment, I felt a sense of pity and felt that I needed to be a hero and I said maybe we should take care of that cat to which my mother-in-law the cat lover uh, immediately took the cat home um, but we realized thereafter that before going home we needed to stop by the vet to take care of this kitten to make sure that uh, it was okay and to prescribe how to take care of its broken limb but when we got to the vet I found out that the cat needed shots, it needed deworming, it needed treatment for its uh, weakness, it needed treatment uh, for its uh, weak bones, and it needed treatment for its broken leg. Furthermore, we had to spend for overnight fees, which were almost as expensive as a budget hotel. And I thought to myself, what did I get myself into? And at that moment, I regret picking up the cat. And it reminded me that doing good to others isn't just about doing it when it's convenient. It's, it's not about doing it when you feel that sense of pity or feel that momentary sense of heroism. Doing good to others is a commitment. It requires sacrifice. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those 
who are in the household of faith. Our time on this earth is short. While we have the opportunity, let us serve and do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. The second sacrifice of service that is pleasing to God requires that you share what you have. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The Greek for share what you have is koinonias. And the word koinonia in scripture can refer to either the fellowship or oneness we have with Jesus and his followers, or sharing with others, or treating what we have as common with one another. So our time, talents, and treasures were supplied by God, not just for us, but for others. And volunteering and serving others involved generously sharing what we have. And I'd like to share with you the parable of the long spoons. There was once a man who was walking with God, and God says, Come, I will show you hell. So he takes the man into a room, and in the room, there's a big round table like a buffet. And in the middle of this big round buffet is a big round pot of delicious smelling and looking uh, mouth-watering stew. But as he notices, the people that are standing around are starving. They look emaciated and sickly. Why? Well, the spoons were too long. They could reach the pot, but they couldn't bring the spoon to feed themselves. Thus, there was great suffering. Come, says God, now I will show you heaven. And then he takes the man to another room. And it was the same kind of room with the identical situation. Same table, same pot of delicious stew, same kind of size group, and same long spoons. But the people were well fed. They were smiling. They were happy. Why? said the man, I don't understand what's the difference. And the difference is simple. They learned to share and feed each other. And it made all the difference in the world. And while this story is not really reflective of what heaven or hell is like, the second scene is a picture of what koinonia should look like. People joyfully serving one another and putting others' needs before their own. And I truly believe we will always feel a lack of purpose until we serve one another and are generous with our time, talents, and treasures that God gave us. So to recap, our passage in Hebrews 13 verses 15 to 16 teaches us that the sacrifice of service that is pleasing to God should not be neglected. We should not forget doing good unto others, seeking their highest good, and we should not stop generously sharing our resources with one another. The sacrifice of praise through our lips please God only when accompanied by the sacrifice of service. And some may be asking, where do I start? The best place to start to serve one another is in a D group. In discipleship groups, we can share our lives and resources with one another, encourage one another to grow in our love and obedience to Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Maybe you're being called by the Lord to volunteer by making disciples. And a great way to do that is by practicing pray, care, share. To pray with others, to show them acts of kindness, and to share Christ with them. And if you're already leading a D group, 
then I encourage you to encourage your members to do pray, care, share as well and start their own group. At this point, I'd like us to hear from our brother, Stacy Militante, about how he came about to serve the Lord and others. Before I met Jesus, I was a hedonist, a pleasure seeker filled with lust, pride, lies, and anger. I was addicted to porn and other vices. I partied like there's no tomorrow and occasionally took drugs. I used to think that sex is normal in a romantic relationship and is an expression and gauge of love. One night after work in my small room while playing games on my laptop, I paused and pondered on the question, what's the point of life? That question led me to grab a copy of The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. One of the points there was about joining a Bible-believing church. Soon after, I decided to attend the church and join a Bible study group. Even though I told people I was following Jesus, sadly, my life did not reflect that. I was still living a double life. Years passed and I decided to look for work in Manila. I wanted to continue to attend Bible study, so I decided to join a small group. I went through a lot of personal challenges, failed relationships, my family being severely affected by Yolanda, and sadly, I left the D-group I was attending. All the while, I was still struggling with sin, and I even had doubts about my salvation. I knew I had to persevere, and eventually, I decided to sign up again for D-group placement. By God's grace, a new D-group leader took me under his care. It was in August 2017 that my leader invited me to attend a True Life retreat. I had my excuses not to go and chief among them was my lack of funds. But I'll be honest with you, I had funds. I just didn't want to go. Little did I know God was doing something. A few days before the retreat, my leader sent me a message and told me that everything was paid by an anonymous donor. I was shocked. All my excuses gone, I had to attend. It was on August 21st, 2017 that I repented of my sins, acknowledged Jesus' Lordship, and completely surrendered my life to Him. That time, my personal relationship with Him started. Slowly, the Holy Spirit was transforming me. I started to pray more, thanking God even in those seemingly uneventful situations like crossing the road, riding the MRT, or getting home on a rainy day. I also started volunteering in church, serving Him through ministry such as Makati's Monday Bible Study, now called Big Makati. Totoong Lakbay, a mountaineering group where we share the gospel to joiners, being a facilitator in True Life Retreats, speaking engagements where possible, volunteering in GLC classes, and now that I am married, my wife and I serve in the pastoral care ministry, specifically premarital counseling. And by God's grace, I'm also leading a D-group of men in different life stages. Eventually, my wife and I started a couple's day group. Volunteering drew me closer to God. I learned to depend on Him completely, to step out of my comfort zone, to be patient with people, even myself, to be passionate in sharing the truth with love, and to be humble. 
I take no credit for all of these and give back all the praise and glory to Him. I thank God for helping me fulfill one of my purposes in life, which is to honor and glorify Him by serving Him. I remember reading in the book of James that faith without works is dead. We are also instructed to obey God even if it's uncomfortable. Reading about the characters in the Bible, it reminds me that God does not call the qualified, but God qualifies the called. I continually surrender to Him and ask the Holy Spirit to help me in everything that I do, seeking to please God rather than anyone else. I continue to pray that the Lord will open opportunities for my wife and I to serve His kingdom and people. And I pray the same for you to be used by God in whatever season or capacity He leads you to. I am Christian Stacy Dolina Militante, unqualified, saved by grace, not by works, so that I cannot boast. No longer I, but Christ in me. To God be all the glory. Thank you, Stack, for that inspiring testimony. In closing, I'd like to share that there are three types of volunteers. First is a flint or stone, and you need a hammer to get anything out of it. But when you do hammer it, there are sparks, there are chips, there's strong resistance. The second type of volunteer is a sponge. You need to squeeze it to get something out of it, to get the water out. It's a volunteer who is reluctant but will succumb to pressure. And the third type of volunteer is the honeycomb, where sweet honey just overflows on its own. Which one are you? I pray we are all like the honeycomb, freely giving as an outflow of God's blessing in our lives. And in your time of prayer, I encourage you to ask God to create a desire in you to serve Him. Ask Him to equip you to serve others, to open doors of opportunity to serve others, and to volunteer. I'm convinced that the Lord will hear and answer your prayer. And if you're already serving the Lord, I encourage you not to give up, to keep going, for God promises that in due time, you will reap a reward. And the greatest example we have of serving others, of selfless voluntarism, is Christ himself, who offered his life for our good and benefit. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28 says, It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ did all he could do and shared all he could give for our good. He took our sin upon himself, died on the cross, that we may receive forgiveness and have eternal life. And Jesus didn't just love us with words. He loved us with actions. And may we do the same by serving one another.